Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. But one thing I know is that when we come to the Lord and ask Him to show up, And not try to bring any strange fire like we talked about last week. But we just bring the meat and say, Holy Spirit, here's my life. I don't know what to do. He will show up. He will show up. And so this morning we are actually talking about the Holy Spirit and the rhema word of God. The Holy Spirit and the rhema word of God. And I'm really excited to talk about these things. Are you familiar with that word rhema? Uh, One, you've probably heard the Holy Spirit if you've grown up in church, but is anyone familiar with the word rhema? It'll come up on the the slide. Can you put that up for us? Uh, uh, The rhema word of God. Uh, It is, it's really interesting. Um, We'll we'll wait for it. It's it's a funny spelling. Uh, It's slide one for us. if not, it's R-H-E-M-A. Those of you who, who are taking notes, the rhema word. Uh, we could just keep this up if, if it's messing up. Uh, no, no, need, no need to freak out. The rhema word, some of you have probably been familiar with the word logos. Well, in scripture, there are two words for word. There are two words for word. Um, one is the logos, and that's what is commonly like the word of God became flesh. That's when John says the logos came. That word is like the spoken word of God, the, uh, the decrees, the commandments, the statements of the Lord, his, his heart, his principles, the enduring word of God. The logos, it's really cool, uh, those of you who are, who are a little nerds with me, the logos transcends time and space. It's really cool. But then the Logos came into time and space in Jesus. We'll talk about that later. That's cool. Uh, that's a different, different topic. But there's a second word for the word word. And it is the word rhema. And what's really neat about the word rhema is it, uh, some people just call it the spoken word of God. But it's a, little, it's a little more than that. Because Logos is also spoken. Rhema is used when Jesus looks at the devil Jesus looks at the devil in Matthew 4, and he says, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every rhema. The word rhema actually means a specific statement. It's really beautiful. It means a specific word. A rhema is the fitting statement, very specific and timely. To put it into perspective, anyone like grow up and you just memorize scripture? Anyone like, and you maybe got four, four verses in your repertoire, but you have four verses in your repertoire. And then that person cuts you off one day and you're like in your, your, your early thirties and that person cuts you off. And then the timely word that you memorized when you were a fourth grader comes up, rhema. It was fitting for that moment. The logos came timely. Does this make sense? What really Jesus is saying is, man shall not live on bread alone, but by the daily bread from my father's mouth. The daily, the very fitting word. And so if I could just make this practical, if you let him, I believe the Holy Spirit has a timely word for you. The powerful thing about Rhema is there's, it's not new God might be doing a new thing, but he uses the logos and he speaks 
very timely, okay? Does that make sense? Shake, shake your head, that's a little weird. If you will sit with me in this, like I believe the Lord will work, he will speak. Some of you need to already just pause. Maybe you could take a deep breath and you could say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Some of you want to hear the rhema word. I, I believe God has a timely message for you today, a very fitting statement for you. Maybe you could just close your eyes where you're at and under your breath, just say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Maybe you just need to say that, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Because I'm excited. We are in, like I said, second, the second week of a series on the presence of, Lord, of the Lord, and I can't do it without him speaking. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it without him speaking. So hopefully uh, we have the, the tent of meeting picture. Will that work up for, the, for everyone so they can see it? Uh, if not, I will just explain it. Oh, good. Beautiful. Uh, so we have been in this series, and what's really cool about this series is we are taking some Old Testament truths of what God instilled in his people, and we're showing how beautiful they are still to this day. To this day. And so uh, the Old Testament, this is just a little history uh, lesson for you. The Old Testament is full of the nomadic people, the Israelites, and God's people moved everywhere. They'd be moving there, then they'd be moving there, then they'd be going there. And one thing he did to say, I will be with you always he said, set up a tent at every place you call home. Even if you call home for a week there, set up tent. And the tent will look like this. And so uh, the beautiful thing about this is all of this was not abolished by Jesus, but it was fulfilled. And so every bit of how the Israelites, the people of God worshiped is now made full in Jesus. So we cannot just say, it's okay, I go to church, I worship the Lord, and not dive into the beauty of this image, the beauty of how my father set up worship long ago. And so we've been taking it week by week. This is a four-week series. If you missed last week, uh, we started on the outer courtyard, all right? I might not be in the, the live stream anymore, but the outer courtyard. And we hung out right here for a bit. This is right here, if you can't read it, it says the altar of burnt offerings. And the really cool thing about that is it was made from bronze. It was built. And that would be the place that the Israelites would bring their, their meat to sacrifice. And then neat thing about this is God said, you bring the meat, right? I said this, I will bring the fire. And last week we talked about what that actually looks like. I bring the life. He brings the fire. I bring the, my life of sacrifice to worship. And we talked last week how Aaron's sons decided to light their own fires and the, the word of God calls it a strange fire. It's a little strange fire. And then God sends the fire and they did. Like, really, they burned up. Uh, if you're like, what, did, what, what? You can tune in on that, the podcast, the Glory Church, kc.com. You can find that. That was week one, but we can't sit in there because I'm really excited to keep moving. 
The part two of, of the tent of meeting, still in the outer courtyard, you can see it, is the laver. It's that blue little circle, okay? Uh, it was not little in their day. It was this beautiful, almost think of it like a bird bath, okay? Had that imagery, a bird bath that not only had a little bath at the top for birds, okay? It wasn't for birds, okay? Uh, but it, it not only had the little bath at the top, but it also had an outer ring at the bottom for your feet, Okay, so it was to literally cleanse the people, their feet, the priests, with their feet and their hands. And then you moved in, and you have the table of incense, which I'm excited to dive in tomorrow. This place was the place where you burnt the incense. It would offer a sweet aroma because outside that tent, it smelled like decay, like death. Inside the tent, smelled like incense. And then on the deep inside was the Holy of Holies, That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. I'm not going to dive into these because we got two more weeks to do this, but that was where the priest once a year would come in and sprinkle with blood and everyone's sins would be forgiven for a year. Beautiful. That's what would happen. That's what would go on. But this week, I'm really excited because on this side of the cross, though we get to experience the Lord daily, we go daily through these steps, through these, this facet, and I'm really excited to dive in, all right? So we're at the laver. If you're taking notes, write laver, okay? You can even write a little circle and act like there's some water in there. And I told you, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and the rhema word. We are. But they're actually foundationalized in this laver, So if you're with me, we're going to do a journey. We're going to open up to Exodus 30, then Exodus 38, then John 16, then John 17, and maybe I'll sprinkle in some Galatians, okay? So we're we're going to be like, boom, 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 boom. Are you ready? Some of you. So Exodus 30, Exodus 38, we're in John 16, and then John uh, 17. I'm really excited, but I have a freebie. Those of you who who know that I love to like uh, do some studying and then then, uh, sprinkle in some really cool things like, wow, that's cool. Cool, God. I have a little freebie before we get into this. Uh, if you can go back to the tent of meeting piece, uh, I've got a little freebie. I was asking the Lord, how do I make sense of this for our people? And Brian and I have been talking to this about this often. How can I make sense of this? And I feel like he gave me some clarity that then I researched and I'm like, oh, people have believed this all along. So that was cool. When the Holy Spirit tells you something and then you like look at it and it's, oh, that's actually true. So here we go. Uh, I was actually asking the Lord, how does this fit? And I felt like the Lord was telling me these four facets of the presence of me not only incorporates my triune nature, three, but it's also the way that you, my people, are added into it. All right? So three plus one is four. Are you ready? Like, I I believe the Lord was teaching it. So here we go. The sacrifice, the son, on the altar, Jesus died. Sacrifice showcases Jesus' presence. Then we have the laver, which was where there would be spiritually cleansed. The word of God says that when the Holy Spirit comes, we can be sanctified. We can be cleansed. The laver is the beauty of the power of the Holy Spirit consistently keeping us cleansed. But then, after their cleansing, the priests could enter into that place where the incense could be burned, where they could do their work of service. Make it smell good for the Father. So we got the Son, the Spirit, 
we have us in the holy place with the Lord. And then the deep inner court, the Father's glory, where we can experience him as sons and daughters of the King. Isn't that really cool? So we got the Son, the Spirit, our presence in the midst of it. One with the Holy Spirit, and then the Father. It's really cool. Okay, that's all I've got for us uh, in that sense. But now we're going to dive into Exodus 30. You could go ahead and put that um, uh, pretty cool connection. But now let's sit in the laver. In Exodus 30, verse 17, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses. And he said, You shall make a bronze basin. We can call it a, um, a little birdbath, right? A bronze basin, a stand for washing. And you shall put it in between the tent of meeting and the altar. You saw that picture. And you shall put water in it. And with the water, Aaron and his sons, the priests, shall wash their hands and their feet. And when they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister, to make an offering by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with the water so that they may not die. They shall wash their hands and their feet so they may not die. It shall be a perpetual ordinance for them, for him and for his descendants throughout their generations. If you notice, there are some like very repet- like repetition. There's some repeated things going on. Uh, there's this command, hey, Moses, tell them to wash their feet and their hands before they go into there, wash their feet and their hands. And before they come out here, wash their feet and their hands. And then it says, or else they will die. And then again, or else they will die, or else they will die. It's really beautiful. Before they were to offer sacrifice, they were to say, okay, God, what has my hands touched, my work? What have I done that needs cleansing? Where have I walked that needs cleansing? Because no walk is greater than this walk that I'm about to do for you, Jesus, like Father, Adonai. No walk, no thing that I've touched is as good as you, so I will cleanse me so that I can touch you, or else they will, they will die. Now, some of you have a very wrong view of the Lord, and so you see the word die, and you're like only thinking of his punishment. Is God just like a punishing God? Is it because he's angry at them? Is it a punishment for their disobedience? In part, but the full truth is God knows I cannot be with sin, but God longs, and I need you to hear this. He longs to be one with his people. He is a God who longs for you to experience his presence. So some of you have believed for far too long, I cannot experience the Lord because of my sin. He doesn't want me because of my sin. No, he wants Aaron and his sons to experience him. He wants Aaron and his sons to make the sacrifice so that the people could be cleansed. He wants that. So he says, in order for me to get what I want, I want you cleansed so that you can come to my presence. I want you to do this so that I can see you. In fact, it's beautiful. The laver was the most frequently used piece in the tent of meeting. It was the thing traveled to and and engaged in more than anything else. Even the altar, the altar was burned on at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. The 
the laver was used intermittently every single time the priests were going to do anything. If I go touch the incense, I must clean. If I move from the incense table back to the altar, I must clean. If I now go from the altar back, like, uh, back inside there to light another incense, I must clean. If I'm going to get the holy bread and break it, I must clean. Everything. It was literally the go-between. So what I mean by that is, is the washing, the cleansing, was literally what allowed them to do the service. It is what flowed in and through everything. I wrote this in my notes. It's what enables. I love that word when you talk about it in a good way. Some of you, you know enablers. One of your parents were an enabler. Some of you know enablers. You've dated people who are enablers. You know what that is? The people who allow you to keep doing bad things. And they're like, yeah, here it is. And enabling is not good unless it's from something good. And the laver is what enables the people with boldness to walk into the holy place. The laver, the washing, is what enables them to keep going. And I felt the Lord say this to me this week. Are you ready? You can write a note. I, it's up there. Like, my spirit, I felt like he said this, my rhema word, Greg, is what makes you able. It is what makes you able. Now, I take it a little deeper. I felt like the little... The Lord said, Greg, like, my spirit is what makes you competent, confident. My spirit is what makes you courageous. In fact, Greg, and he he, he has dealt with me this week. In fact, Greg, you and I both know that if you keep going without hearing my timely word and you dwell on the logos from 10 months ago, you're going to start feeling deadened in your heart, numb. Now, I certainly will not die. He's not going to, right? That's not, but I think we all know when our perspective is deadened because we're not hearing his voice today. And he knows, uh, he's told me, my spirit, my rhema word, the coming to me, the engaging in my cleansing waters daily, uh, Greg, it is what allows you to confidently walk to the, the throne of grace, right? The, Lord, the word says that we can confidently, with boldness, approach the throne and ask in our time of need. Like, that is what enables it. I also wrote, I felt like the Lord was saying, my spirit, Greg, is what stands in between. It's what connects the cross of Jesus with my salvation, his spirit. His spirit is what connects the altar where Jesus died to my life forever. The Holy Spirit, right? That makes sense. The Holy Spirit is what connects the Father to me. In all and through all, it's my interacting with his spirit daily that proves, that proclaims that I'm a son of the Most High. I felt a very specific, um, some of you engage in the spirit of the Lord on Sunday mornings alone. And by Friday, you think you're everything but a daughter of the king. Because you only dip your hands in the water of the word once a week, if that. The Holy Spirit is our connection to every truth of the Lord. And quite literally, the Lord is, it's it's, it's beautiful. Uh, He is wanting to talk to us daily. 
I wrote it down that my daily word with the Lord is me coming, dipping my hands in his forgiveness, and and it makes me able to stand on my wife and say, like, this is what we should do today. This is how we should lead our home. This is how we handle our children's issues, because I was cleansed and I see clearly. In fact, let's dive into this. I told you we'd be opening up to Exodus 38. This is a really cool thing. Um, We see in Exodus 38 that Moses is doing something very specific in order to form this laver, okay? So this is a little cool thing. Exodus 38, if you want to put it up for them, uh, verse 8. It says, Moses made the basin of bronze with its stand of bronze from the mirrors of the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Now, this is one little verse, but this is really cool, okay? This is really cool. Those of you who like to give no recognition to the women of your life, see how much that is like uh, Satan in the garden? Um, Because the Lord right here gives recognition to these women who were working in the tent. In fact, they were able to come into the inner tent meeting. And you know what they did? They worked so well, so hard, they worked so diligently that their work sanctified their items. Like quite literally, if you, throughout scripture, if something was sanctified, the Lord would tell Moses to grab it and use it for the tent of meeting. It would happen uh, with, with some fire pans. They became holy and sanctified. No normal person could touch them anymore. Some of you need to realize that the world has looked down on you for really far too long. But the power of the Holy Spirit is when we do work, he sanctifies the things that we touch. And so this is really beautiful. These women had mirrors, common women, who did very godly work. And it sanctified the common things. And the Lord said, I want that. I want that to be used for the laver. And so I'm just going to talk about this a little bit, where the altar was uh, bronze, common bronze, probably the bronze used for a shield and armor. The altar was made from dull bronze. God specifically desires for the laver to be a polished bronze that is reflective. Some of you who carry around the little, like, makeup in your, in your purse where you open it up and there's that little, like, circle, you know, a little mirror. Okay, those mirrors are very different than the mirrors the Israelite women had. In fact, it was a luxury to have a mirror. It would take a lot of work to take a dull bronze, beat it down in small enough way, flatten it out with the heat, and then to polish it so that you could see yourself through it. It was a lot of work, and it was not something normal at all. But these women had it, and the Lord said, I want you to take an object such as a mirror, and I want you to use that for the laver. Number one, that's really cool. We could talk about that later, that the Lord already is including women into his beauty of the church. That's all I'm going to say. You want to talk to me? We can later. But that's beautiful. Number two, then he says, put water into this reflective basin. And I want you to now, priests, wash daily. If you know anything about, like, me or the human condition, can you, any of you, walk past anything reflective and not look at yourself? Anyone? You struggle. 
because it's a real thing. You walk outside this building and it's a sunny day and you see yourself in our windows. No one notices this, but I sit right out there and everyone walks past and do they checking me out? No, they're checking them out. And it, they always stare and they look up and down and, they, and I'm like sitting right there. They have no idea that I can see them. Because any time something reflective comes in our perception, we look at ourselves, right? God knew I want the priests, when they wash, to see me and them. Now wait, I want the reflection that they see to be through the cleansing waters. Now, this is huge. I want the ability for that laver to literally reflect the heavens, reflect everything. As they put their hands in the water, I want the image of them to be through the cleansing waters. You see, what the Lord desires is for the image that you see of yourself to be through the Holy Spirit's waters, through his forgiveness. Some of you, you're like, I don't even know where that begins. But God was like, I want my priest to see the reflection of everything through my cleansing. And I wrote this many times, you, me, we see ourselves, we see that issue, we see our our spouses, we see the problems, heck, you even see your children through everything but the water of the Holy Spirit, right? I wrote a few things down like, I see things through the waters of my pain. Sometimes you'd see and define things through the lens of your desires. That's why you keep doing things that you know you shouldn't do. You see things through the lens of your wants, your identity, and the Lord's like, no, 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 no. If you cannot form an identity of yourself without me being in the middle of it, then depart from me, I never knew you. Because you must see who you are through my water, which means I define the image, I define the identity, I define the desires. I define that life. I define the lifestyle. If you want to see yourself through the world's lens, do it. But there's no freedom in that. Because my water cleanses. My water is what purifies. My Holy Spirit is what enables you to walk with confidence. My spirit is what provides peace. You see, God longs for us to see all things through the water. Through his spirit. But that doesn't happen with the once a week interaction, right? Some of you know, like, this is not legalism at all. But I cannot keep my head straight if I do not pause daily and say, Jesus, I am a mess, right? Like, I cannot see straight if I do not go to him and say, Lord, I need you. I need you to change my perception, Or else I'm a walking around numb man. Am I forgiven? Yes. But am I acting forgiven? No. Right? Are you forgiven? Are you made clean? Yes. Are you acting that way? Let's be honest. If we don't see ourselves through his presence, we act every way but forgiven. We do. 
But it's beautiful. I told you that we would go to John 16 because he looks, Jesus, he looks at his disciples. Uh, this is the evening before he's about to die, okay? Before he's about to take this whole tent of meeting and fulfill it. He looks at his disciples and he says this, uh, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. <laughs> That's fun. Um, I'm like, no, Jesus, give it to me. I want it now. Like, tell me everything now. He's like, you cannot bear it now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I love that. The word guide is a verb, and there's some tenses on Greek words. I was like nerding out as I was showing Brian like how to use a, uh, a little uh, concordance thing that I have. It's called Logos, and that's fun, right? Um, and it's a database, and I was showing him uh, how nerdy, how every verb in the Greek has multiple tenses, and the tenses of the verb actually make it have the layers of the Greek that we miss in our English, okay? Does that make sense? A couple, like, just to make, make sense, uh, the verb tense is indicative, the word guide. That means it will happen, like, without a doubt, it will happen. The Holy Spirit will come and he will, without a doubt, absolutely guide. He doesn't guide me because you don't hear him. He doesn't, but it, you don't understand, Greg, I've tried to, no, he will guide. It is a declaration. It is an indicative verb. It will happen. But another tense is a future tense, meaning that it will be a state of guiding that will happen. And the last one, this is really cool, it is uh, an active one. And any time a verb is active, it doesn't just mean that it, it's going to happen and happen. But in the Greek, when a verb is active, that means it happens exponentially and grows. What Jesus is saying is you're not just going to get a good guide who will tell you like every now and then what truth is. No, he will guide you in a growingly way. Like it will grow greater and greater your understanding of his presence. It's an exponential growth kind of guidance and it's beautiful. And to connect the cleansing waters piece, Jesus prays this before he dies. He prays this to the Father. It's literally in the next chapter. I call it the precious Jesus chapter because all of uh, John 17 is just Jesus praying for his people. And John 17, 17 says, Father, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Now to bring this all together, he's going to give us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And he's going to sanctify, which is a very holy word for cleanse, make holy, make right. Uh, he's going to heal them by his truth. And his logos, his rhema, is truth. Jesus will also tell the disciples that uh, his truth will set us free, that there's freedom in it. I was telling uh, our morning men's Bible study on Wednesday, uh, if you are a man in the room and uh, would like to, to wake up really early with us, I would love to see you, okay? Some of you who are like, I would love to get to know some guys in our church, great, Wake up at 6 o'clock, make it here by 6.30, and hang out with us. We have a solid five of us, and we are, we are the five 
the five amigos, we can say, and we're just there. But I told them this week that the word truth is one of the coolest in, uh, in the Greek. And the word truth is this word, uh, and you're like, Greg, why do we keep? Because it's so cool. The word truth is aletheia. And it means a truth that is in accordance with what really happens. It's an eternal reality that is not limited, limited to historical fact. And you're like, okay, why is that cool? I don't get it. Well, listen, the Lord says, Jesus says, Father, I want you to sanctify them by truth. This means I need you to sanctify them by not the truth of their history, but I need you to sanctify them by the eternal truth of my sacrifice. You, you hearing this? No? Okay. I'm going to say it again. Uh, that I need you to cleanse them, and I need you to cleanse them with truth, and not the truth, the record of their historical life, because that would say they're a sinner, they've wronged, they've done all these issues, that even after they asked you to forgive them, they went back to that, that addiction. The historical fact would say they don't deserve it, but sanctify them by a truth that is actually greater. It's not limited by that. And this is huge because God was saying to Aaron, I need you to go to the laver, Aaron. I need you to go to the laver and wash your hands. And I need you to see every time you do that, that the cleansing of my presence undoes the historical fact that you think is of your life. If we know anything about Aaron, uh, He's not, he's a sucky. Can I say sucky? He's a sucky father. He has literally, by the end of his life, the majority of his children will die because he has not led well. Like, the brother has done some not good things with his hands. He, he without a doubt, has, has not led well with Moses. He's not been a good friend, without a doubt. Like, he has sinned. But the Lord says, I want you to go to the waters and realize that what happens in these waters transcends your history. And it cleanses you because the truth that you will see through these waters is greater than what you did before. And this is the beauty. It's, it transcends time. And that is so huge. The word truth is one of my favorites because it's not your truth or my truth or their truth or the world's truth. It's not. No. We don't define truth. The eternal reality of our Lord defines truth, and we then surrender to it. And when I'm washed by reality, everything else is just a half-truth. Greg, you are a mess, half-truth. I am a mess who is able to produce fruit. The world can't do that. I'm a mess who can have joy. I am a mess who can have peace. I am a mess who can fill in the blank, insert what the Holy Spirit can do, right? Because that is the eternal. I had this, uh, as I'm taking notes, I always like to pray to the Lord, like what the people in the room would hear about now. Um, some of you have really thought this demeaning thought over and over, and I've made a slide of it. You've, you've thought this demeaning thought that if they only knew the truth about me, dot, 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 dot. Now, I just want to sit on this. Some of you have really thought this. In fact, I don't want to look out. Um, there are marriages who a wedge has been driven into your marriage because you have thought, if my spouse only knew this about me, 
they would never forgive me. Some of you have legit thought, if my coworkers knew this about me, some of you thought, I will come to this church, but the moment that they find this out, if they knew the truth of me, they would ask me to leave. If Pastor Greg knew this about me, this is great, I can sit in here, but if they knew the truth about me, they would insert whatever. Some of you, you won't even share your testimony because you're like, they can't handle the, the story. Because if they knew the truth about me, they would fill in the blank. We get plagued by this, if they only knew. But even in saying that, you are stating right now that you do not know the truth about you. <laughs> even in the fear, if they knew how demeaning, some of you are like, on it, like, if they knew how demented my mind goes, the thoughts that I think, well, listen, if you think that the thoughts you think can determine your reality, you don't even know the truth of you. Because my father says, despite everything, you are new. We, despite everything, if you have Christ in you, then you have Christ in you. You are hidden with him in the heavenlies. And so, but it's interesting because you don't even, I don't even know, we're saying half-truths. Here's a couple half-truths. Um, I'm broken, okay? But somehow I can be both broken yet healed, right? That's the full truth. Another half-truth, um, you're boring. Some of you like, if they only knew this about me, they'd say, I'm so boring. I, I literally, I, if they only knew this, if they knew the truth about me, they would say I'm socially awkward and I shouldn't have any friends, right? Some of you have literally put yourself down so much. You can be both boring yet extraordinarily powerful, right? You can be both boring yet say mountain move and that bad boy is gonna move because you have faith, right? Like that, that's, that's the beautiful thing. You can be messy, like some of you are like, if they knew the truth of me, like if you saw the truth of my van, you would judge us. Like if you saw the truth of my life, you would say they don't have their crap together. They are messy. No, I can, full truth, be messy and somehow undeniably clean. Right? Some of you are prone to anger. You can be prone to anger, yet abounding in the possibility of unending grace. This both and happens in the faith because we are not tied down by the truth of historical fact. You can be both habitually sinful, yeah, you keep doing that, but you can also be eternally cleansed. That the Lord is saying, come to me so that I can actually nip that thing in the bud instead of you just thinking, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. That's not the truth of you and him. If you've come to him, then you are made able. You are, you are, you are. You see, I need the laver, the word of the Lord. I need the daily experience of his presence, his cleansing, his word to remind me, to cleanse me, to purify me, my thoughts, my attitude, all of that. Because there's more about me and this world than I believe it to be. Some of you, like, here's just a phrase for you, okay? Put this in your back pocket and use it. Are you ready? Some of you really need to say, that is not the truth. That's not true. Some of you really, really are bad at calling out lies in yourself. The most freeing thing you can say is when that 
attitude comes and when you've already defined your day, when you've already defined an experience, when you've already defined your marriage, can you just, that's not true. That's not true. Because the one thing I can't perceive right now while I'm angry over here is what I'm going to see through the waters, right? You hearing me? That's not true about me because I can only know truth through his word. And some of you, you have a non-existent relationship with his word. So let's just be honest. You don't know truth. That's okay. That's okay. The father, Jesus literally says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. He forgave you so that you can open up your Bible and know his words. But you got to do it. Like, we have to know his truth. The other night uh, I was thinking, and Josiah, you, got, you can come on up. I don't know where Josiah is, but Josiah can come on up. The other night I was thinking I could not sleep, and I've been struggling with sleep. If you think about it, pray for, pray for your boy over here. Uh, I will take some good sleep. Uh, it's just not been happening very well. But the other night I was awake and thinking about this sermon because I didn't know what else to think about, and I did not want to spiral in the anxiety of my life because that can happen, right? So I'm just thinking about the sermon, and I felt that the Lord said this uh, and gave me the confidence to speak this. Now, some of you are going to think I'm very arrogant in saying this. Bear with me. Are you ready? You're like, what? I confidently thought this. You know, if people knew the real me, they would actually know Jesus more. No, this is not buttering up Greg at all. But if you knew that five times a day, the staff knows this, five, five plus times a day, I have to leave my post at one part to go run into my office, shut the door, and attack my frustrations through worship because I can't handle it out here. And I need to pause and, and reorientate my mind on who the Lord is and then who I am. If you knew the real me, maybe you would know Jesus more. If you knew the real me that like he's been hitting me and called me, he told me to uh, only refer to him as Adonai recently. So if you hear that in my prayers, I never pray. But I even told Kate, Kate, for the past week, he's told me to, to call him Adonai. I've kept this really close to my heart. Like, okay, God, Adonai. And then I looked it up. And the priests would only call the Lord Adonai. And the reason is you were not allowed to say Yahweh. But Adonai, spoken, it literally calls the Lord the master of me. Meaning like, I am his possession. And this week, like the Lord has kept saying, Greg, you want to be your own. I need you to call me Adonai because you are my tool. You are my workman. You are my possession. I am the master. You are the servant. You are mine. Adonai. If you knew the real me that um, I scream at my kids when I'm angry, I'm snippy. Some of you would realize the grace of Jesus more his forgiveness. If you, real the, if you really knew 
who I was, you would know Jesus more. This is like Paul saying to the Corinthians, like, I discovered that in my weakness, Christ's strength came. So do you know what Paul says? Therefore, I boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's strength may be seen. Paul knew it. If people knew the real me, that I am a hot mess, then they will see his strength. I care about that way more. Okay, here are my sins. Here are my issues. I'm a hot mess. Because if you knew the real me, you would see his strength overcome. You would. Some of you need to start thinking in what real truth is. Because the beauty of the laver is a daily thing. I have been stressed for the past few months. Uh, and the Lord has, he's overcompensated for my ineptness. Anyone like, he does that. He's so good to do that. But this week he brought a lot of things to clarity and said, Greg, you need your feet washed. Come to my presence and just admit that you have been walking away in a way that has produced the fruit of the world. But so I say, walk by the spirit and do not gratify the things of the flesh because the flesh is at war with the spirit. But we, we starve the flesh. So I say, Greg, wash your feet so that you can walk in the way of the spirit. Because you're producing some things right now that is overflowing on people. And he said, Greg, you need to wash your hands. Like James says, you've been double-minded. You've had two things on your mind. You've had two things on your mind. And so guess what? Your hands are creating two things right now. Wash your hands, you double-minded. Cleanse them. Come back to the waters and say, no, my work is only for you, Lord. It is only for you. And so I just want to give you an opportunity to have a, a laver moment. Um, this is not a laver but if you want to visualize something, what would it be like to say, I am, the, I am in the presence of a laver this morning. There's nothing powerful about this, but what the laver symbolizes, some of you have not heard the reign of word of God in months. And you're coasting, and you're coasting, and you're coasting. What would it be like to where you're at, come to the waters and just dip where you're at? I cleanse my hands, Lord. What would it be like to dip your feet? Cleanse my feet, Lord. I need to see clearly. We need to see clearly. The rest of the band are going to come up and they're going to play that I'm listening song again. And what I love about this, this song is you don't have to sing it. But some of you need to start listening because as you say, okay, God, like I've been half in, half out. I, I've been half in, half out. And some of you need to say, Lord, like cleanse my hands so that I can start doing your ways. Cleanse my feet so I can start walking in your ways.
Cleanse it, Lord. Cleanse it. Yes, there's a beep. You can just hit silence uh, for it. I love that the moment we start doing this, distractions happen. Now I silence that in the name of Jesus. Some of you, you cared way more about that beep because it, it made you not feel uncomfortable anymore. Because you could focus on that beep instead of that your hands need to be cleansed. Your feet need to be cleansed. So I'm going to open this up. Some of you, you need prayer. You need people in your life. Our prayer team's going to be up here, but whoa, whoa, prayer team. Do not move until your feet are cleansed. I did not want to come up here today. I had to cleanse my feet and my hands. Some of you, you keep doing ministry and you are just producing pain because your feet need to be cleansed daily. Ask him for a word of how you should see yourself clearly. And then prayer team, when you're able to move, come on up here. Because again, it's not about you, right? So Father, in this place, we give you this moment. Holy Spirit, would your water wash in? God, will you give, will you give those with the gift of prophecy the ability to see your cleansing waters fill in this room? Your sons and daughters, they need to wash. Somebody, I just need to tell you really quickly, the reason God wants you to come to him right now and wash is not so that he can convict you from the sin that you keep doing, but it's so that he can free you from doing it again and again and again. Do you hear me? He wants his people holy so that we can experience him. The author, James, he, he says, confess your sins. John writes, confess your sins. They all talk about confess your sins for he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. James talks in the latter part of this book about restoring those who were walking away. So we're going to sit in his presence. Prayer team, you can come up when you're ready. Those of you who need to move around, move around. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.